the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that he created us in his own image and sacrificed his only begotten sinless son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 1. John 17, 1 says... Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. And today is part two of a message that I began on last Sunday, which is entitled, What to Do in the Time of Crises. What to do in the time of crises. In this particular chapter, Jesus finds himself headed toward a tremendous crisis. His earthly ministry is coming now to a close. He is about to be betrayed by Judas. He's about to be arrested in Gethsemane. Denied by Peter, put on trial in Pilate's court, mocked by the soldiers, and ultimately hung on a cross. What a crisis. And therefore, this chapter begins with Jesus praying to the Father as he prepares to finish the work that the Heavenly Father assigned the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to do. And beloved, there will be times of crisis in our lives. You're either in a crisis, you just come out of a crisis or you are headed into a crisis and you say, well, I I haven't had anything bad to happen to me in my lifetime. Just keep saying good morning. And you don't have to give crisis your address or your zip code. You don't have to put a GPS on your system to figure out where you are. Crisis knows your address. Sometimes you see them, uh, that crisis coming at you like a train and you prepare and you brace yourself And other times, crises ambush you from the blind side, and all of a sudden, you find yourself enveloped and engulfed in a tremendous crisis, the likes of which you've not seen. What do you do in a time of crisis? Just a quick review for those who weren't here last week. I'm just going to give a review. I'm not going to say everything I said last week because I want to get to part two. What do you do in the time of crisis? Number one, you better have a relationship with the Father. That's the best thing you can have. People are looking for help in the wrong places. It's not time for Ouija boards and psychics and lottery. And it's not time for 
politics and you can't legislate yourself out of a crisis. The White House can't help you out of a crisis. They have enough crises of their own. You need to have a relationship with the Father before the crisis. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Without the Father, you have no rest, no hope, or no refuge. Secondly, what to do in a time of crisis? We had better realize the hour is coming. Your hour is coming. Your hour of trial, your hour of crisis, your hour of tribulation is coming. And for Jesus, it was the way of the cross, his sufferings, his humiliations, his agony, his imminent death. And your hour is coming. All of us have a time. You can't live here and not encounter trouble. Trouble has a way of getting all in your way. And you got you say, well, God don't understand. Yes, he does, because in Hebrews 4, 15, 16, it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Jesus has been Where you are, as a matter of fact, he has experienced far worse than you'll ever experience in your lifetime. Who in here has been nailed to a cross? Who in here have had a spear riveted in your side? None of us. Who in here have had the sins of the world on your shoulder? None of us. But Jesus has. He says, I know just where you are. And you can't say, I don't understand. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I know right where you are. And in case you don't know it by now, America is in a crisis. One crisis out of another. If it's not one thing, it's another in this country. You got mudslides in in, in California, fires happening in California. Then you got tornadoes and earthquakes and you got people being trapped in mines and and now we hurricanes tornadoes and now we have an oil crisis the likes of which we've never seen that i mean that's that's troubling the nation let me tell you something god is speaking through these crises but what my concern is are christians really making the connection that we need to get back to God and fall on our knees and pray and look to him because we, in times like these, we need the Lord. In our crisis, we must realize that being a Christian doesn't exempt you from the calamities of life. Doesn't matter how strong you are, doesn't matter how much Bible you know, and no matter how much scripture memory you've memorized, you are not exempt from your crises. Jesus went through a crisis right here in the Garden of Gethsemane And he was not exempt being the son of God, and neither will we. Number four, use your crisis as an opportunity to glorify God. If there's ever time to glorify God, it's when you're in the midst of a storm. John 17, 1b says, glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. Jesus glorified the father in his earthly life through obedience and submitting to his perfect will. And then God was so filled with delight that he, he blessed his son by raising him up from the dead. What do you do in the crisis? Number five, you pray. In John 17, you have the Lord's Prayer. 
Uh, many pe- people think that in Matthew 6 you have the Lord's Prayer. No, that's the disciples' prayer as Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. But in 17 John, you have the Lord's Prayer as Jesus prays for himself. As a matter of fact, that's a good thing. It's best you pray for yourself because a whole lot of folks saying they're praying for you is not praying for you. So to make sure you get prayed for, the best thing you better do is pray for yourself. He not only prays for himself, he prays for his own disciples who's going to carry on the work beyond him. And then he prays for others who are we who are sitting here today, standing here today uh, for the church, the coming church. Jesus prays for him, for himself. He prays for his disciples and he prays for others. In the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, he prays three times in Matthew 26, 39, 42 and 44. In the midst of a crisis, number six, be patient. Allow the crisis to run its course. You can't hurry your way up out of a crisis. You can't hurry God. And if you flunk the crisis, there will be a repeat course. So be still, says Psalms 4610, and know he's God. What do you do in the times of crises? Remain calm in the storm. Jesus was able to maintain his composure in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed before the crisis as well as in the midst of the crisis. And if you're praying before the crisis, you are stronger in the midst of the crisis because prayer is what sustains and undergirds and holds you. Jesus did not fall to pieces. He did not throw himself a pity party. He was calm in the storm. Why? Because number one, realizing that God is our refuge, strength, and help in times of trouble. He realized a heavenly father was there. The presence of God was there. He had a refuge in the heavenly father, and so do we in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. Jesus could keep his composure because he trusted in the promises of God by meditating on the promises of God. Trusting the promises of God and meditating on the word is what kept Jesus Christ. Psalms 119, 15 through 16 says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate on your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. Listen, beloved, I love that latter part of the 16th verse of Psalm 119. It says, I will not forget your word. And if you, if you don't forget the word of God, God will keep you. The word will sustain you. The word will strengthen you. But if, if you don't have the word rich in you, then you will lose your composure. The word of God is what keeps you from losing your composure in the midst of the storm. Don't forget the word of God. It says, I will not forget your word. You ought to underline that, highlight that. That is so precious. Let me tell you something. When you're in a crisis, you know what you better do? Screening the counsel you receive from others is critical. When you're in the midst of a storm, that's when you're most vulnerable and you had better learn to screen the counsel you receive from others. Because some folk with the best of intentions will give you bad counsel. You say, where is that? In Job 42, 7, it says, Job 42, 7 says, and so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz, uh, the Temanite, my wrath is arised against you and your two friends. 
Look, underline this. For you have not spoken of me what is right. You know, they gave Job all these bad assumptions and all this bad counsel. And God gets on those so-called friends of Job and tell them what you said to him was not right as my servant Job has. So make sure that you listen in the spirit to what people are saying because everything people are saying is not for you to embrace. What do you do in a time of crisis? Worship God. Worship settles your spirit. It moves the heart to rejoice in the midst of adversity. Job worshiped God even though he lost his health. Job worshiped God even though he lost his possessions. Job worshiped God even though he lost all of his children. If you lost all of your children, could you still, like Job, worship God? You say, where is that? Look at the text. Hey, look at Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 22. We reference the Bible here. This is the Maranatha Bible Church. If you don't have a Bible, someone share your Bible because we come from the Scripture, what is the final authority, and we reference it frequently. Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 22 says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and underline that, worshiped. Underline that. Say worship. And look how he worshiped. He worshiped God saying, and he said, worshiping God, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. That is absolutely incredible. And you know what? When, when, when the heat is on, your worship ought to be intensified. That's right. I mean, you ought to wake up worshiping God. You can't see your way through, but you're focusing on the God in worship who knows the beginning and the end and how to keep you in the midst of. Worshiping God is what keeps us settled, keeps our sanity, and keeps us from losing it. What to do in a time of crisis, refuse to allow yourself to become angry at God, yourself, or others. Don't allow yourself to become angry at God, angry at yourself and others. Some people, they get mad because they think in their mind they don't deserve a crisis. And they turn around and say, Lord, why me? And God looks at them and says, why not you? I sent my son, and he was in a crisis from birth to death. Who are you to think that you are exempt? Huh? Some folks get angry at God. It's a bad thing to get angry at God because when you're angry at God, who else can help you? When you're angry at God, who else can deliver you? Who else can strengthen you? Who, Who? Tell me who. And if you get angry at God, there's no one else. Look at Job chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Look at Job chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. When you find it, say amen. It says, then his wife, Mrs. Job, said to him, do you still hold fast to your dignity, Job? Curse God and die. Ooh, she's cold. Curse God and die. Verse 10, but Job. But Job said to, to his wife, 
Honey, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. He rebuked her kindly. He didn't call her a fool. He said, you could have said, you fool. But he said, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we, listen, look at how potent and how powerful this is. Look at this. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. How is your lips in trouble? What condition is your lips in when trouble comes? Are you cussing and ranting and raving all over the place? Acting stupid and foolish? Ah, she's angry. And you got to understand, she's angry because what was Job was hers. Job was rich, so Mrs. Job was rich with Job. And she lost all the children that came out of her womb. She was grief-stricken. And she said, you worshiping God after his He's done all of this. Curse him and die. Let me tell you something. It's a deep thought. There are times when your own spouse, with the best of intention, can give you bad counsel. Did you hear what I said? I mean, they love you. They mean well, and they're not trying to hurt you. But you still better hear God, even when your spouse is speaking. Is this of God? Because sometimes God can speak through your spouse. And there are times Satan can speak to your spouse, even though your spouse means well. It doesn't diminish their love for you. It's just that they said something, and even though sincere, they were sincerely wrong. Even Jonah got angry at God. In in Jonah chapter 4, verses 4 and 9 through 11, it says, Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry, Job? Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Verse 11, Jonah chapter 4, 11. And should I not penny Nineveh, that great city in which more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? Now, Job was told to go preach to Nineveh. Huh? He took a ship, went the opposite direction. God put a fish near him as a taxi cab. That's right. Trouble the water. The crew throws him over. The, the whale swallows him up. And in fish fat, he repents. I bet you if I was in fish fat, I'd do some repenting too. Now listen, I believe everything in the Bible. Some folks say, how can you breathe and live inside of a whale or fish or whatever that swallowed you up? God said it. I believe it. Huh? I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. God can do whatever he wants to. That's right. Spit him back out uh, on Nineveh. And God said, now go preach. And he preached. And folk, the king and, and the people repented and sat off in ashes. And now he's mad, even though folk repenting. Like I said last week, there are some Jonas in the house. Folk getting saved. We're going to be baptizing 18 folk that just came out of vacation Bible school. Attendance of 434 in vacation Bible school. Folk are growing in their relationship with the Lord. Folk are serving. Folk are getting happy. Folk are getting delivered. And some folk got their arms all cocked and hands folded and mouth out. <laughs> it don't take all that. Look at her. She ought to stop saying amen. He ought to st- she ought to stop shouting. Shut up, Jonah. 
Shut up, Jonah. Folk getting delivered, folk happy, folk rejoicing, and you being a Jonah in the house and mad because you've lost your focus with God. Number nine, realize that these trials come to make you strong. See, see, if you don't have some trouble to agitate you, uh, then you can't shine. You know, a diamond or gold or any of that in the raw doesn't look too pretty in the raw, but once it has gone through the refining process, then it is appealing to the eye when you go to the jewelry store. If you can only see those resources when they are in the raw. When you come to Christ, my friends, you are in the raw. You don't look too good. You don't smell too good. And what God has to do, he has to send you through a refining process. He has to sift your life of the debris and of the rubbish so that you can shine like the noonday sun. And you can't look good for God without going through some trouble that will process you to the glory of Almighty God. Now, all that was part one. Say amen. Amen. Now, here's part two. What to do when, when you're in a crisis? Number 10, shine. Radiate the presence of God. For others are strengthened and encouraged by it. Be a blessing. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. If there's ever time to shine, it's in the midst of a storm. You don't have to drop your head and hold your head down and put on your morning clothes and let it bring attention to yourself because you're going through something. Let folk know, even though you're going through something, you don't have to have your countenance all bent out of shape and just, you look like you're miserable so folk can just ask you, what's wrong? Number 11, what to do in time of crisis? Speak in faith and live in hope. That's what you need to do. Don't speak words of negativity. Speak in faith and live in hope. Your hope will be kept alive as you hear and obey God. I reiterate, your hope will be kept alive as you hear and obey God. Keep the Lord as the object of your faith. If you live in confident expectation and dependency upon him, you can make it through the night. The worst thing you can do when you're going through trials and tribulation is to lose your hope in the midst of the storm. I was meditating in my quiet time in the book of of Jeremiah, and there's a powerful verse that just leaped off the pages of Scripture to me. It is found in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 17a. That first clause there says, there is hope in your future says the Lord. That thing just leaped off the pages at me. I said, ooh, isn't that good? There is hope in your future, says the Lord. Listen, that's conditional. That's predicated. uh, That's based upon if you hear God, obey God, and keep him as the object of your faith. You can't live like hell and, ex- and have hope. Amen. You can't be sleeping with everybody and drinking yourself into drunkenness and think you're going to have hope. That's right. You can't live like the devil and try to look like a saint on Sunday and think you're going to have hope. Hope comes 
by resting in God, having confident expectation in him, listening to God and obeying him. When you do that, there will be hope in your future. Number 12, press on and refuse to give up. Don't, don't allow yourself to become stagnated in the crises. Jesus pressed on to, to Calvary in spite of the crises. In Matthew 26, 39, it says he, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, I, not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus bore the fullness of God's wrath for sins, for, the, for lost humanity on Calvary. My friend refused to give up like Jesus. He did not give up in Gethsemane. He pressed on in Gethsemane. He pressed on. He lived. You can't live in the past. All of us have some regrets of our past and some things we wish we could redo. But you cannot go back into your yesterday and fix it. Stop beating yourself up. Repent. Press on and trust God. So press on. And refuse to give up. Realize, number 13, realize you are never alone. Never alone. God didn't bring you this far to leave you in the midst of trials. I love what John, the gospel of John 16, 32 says, indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. His disciples, they forsook him and what? Fled. And they actually did what he said they would do. But you know what? Even though his disciples forsook him and fled, you know what Jesus says? And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Have you ever been abandoned? But in those times, you realize that even though folk you thought you can count on didn't come through, God is a come through God. (laughs) And God is with you, and he will never leave you, nor forsake you. So don't believe the lie of the devil. He'll whisper in your ear, that devil, that darn devil. He'll whisper in your ear and say, now, see here, God has forsaken you. If God were with you, why has he allowed this to happen to you? Don't believe his lies. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 43.2 says, when you pass through the waters. How many of you have been through some troubled waters? I don't for me. How many of you have been through some troubled waters? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, how many have been through some fire? You shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.